Coming up on this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. Have you accepted Piplup as your personal lord and savior? It's dangerous to go alone, so the Nintendo Cartridge Society goes with you. Welcome to Nintendo Cartridge Society. My name is Patrick Ellers, and I am joined, as I am always joined, by my co-host, Mark Mitchell. We've got a good show for you today. We're going to be talking about the news from the week, including a new trailer for Mario Golf Super Rush and the uncertain future of WB Games. And then on Thursday, we'll be definitively ranking Nintendo spaceships. But Mark, in the meantime, how you doing? I'm doing great. You know, uh, last week, I uh, was a little bit down on My Fair Lady after a recent half rewatch <laughs> like i like mostly watched it but also like fast forwarded through right. a surprising amount of it i am happy to report however that the music man i think holds up i enjoyed the music mm. man immensely music man has that wonderful quality of being so obviously on a set um yes. even though they're trying to depict outside so much there is something so delightful about ducks on a sound stage i don't know <laughs> how to really pinpoint like what it is about that that brings me joy but it does every single time you know i think i think it especially works for like musicals like uh the, like the music yeah. man is a great example because like um it comes from theater and when you go see yeah. like something on the stage there's a sense of you know you're suspending your disbelief that right. we're pretending like, together yeah exactly that like film generally like tries to avoid and uh but it works like really well in a musical where you're just like yep makes total sense that this is all this entire town is in like a soundstage in this like really like yep. artificial environment yep. like it just feels right for something like that yeah i feel the same way about the uh uh like the big show stopping singing in the rain number from singing in mm -hmm. the rain where i'm like oh this is so fake and i buy every second of it <laughs> like it's so like holistically satisfying and I guess you're right, like, especially with, like, musicals, because uh, you are already suspending your disbelief on top of any other suspension of disbelief that these people are, like, breaking That's out right. into song. And so it's all, it's all just in good fun. Yeah, it's all, it looks it's all just goofs. Speaking of all in good fun and just goofs, my copy of Sonic Forces for the Nintendo Switch. Would you like to borrow it? You can certainly try. All you gotta do is email us at NintendoCartridgeSociety at, at gmail.com. Gmail and give us a mailing address where we can send you my copy of this game. You get to play it for as long as you want. You send it back. It costs you nothing. Uh, one thing that might happen is you may accidentally get my copy of Untitled Goose Game. Um, I say it's accidental, but like the goose has uh, some sort of willpower here that it is asserting on the program. Uh, the program itself is perfect, so the goose you know, is part of it now. Um, that's just uh, It's part of the perfection. Well, I mean, you are also a vessel in this process as well. So I think it's like yes. the goose is using you to channel its will. Yeah, correct. I mean, I am, I am but the instrument that, and the <laughs> goose is the maestro. Do you know what I mean? I absolutely 100% without a doubt know what you mean and feel it deeply. Mm -hmm. uh, the other thing we're doing is asking you to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. 
We appreciate it so much. It helps people find the show. It warms our cold, dead hearts also to know that people are listening to it. Um, and we really do appreciate it wherever you leave a review. Uh, I check the U.S. Apple Podcast Store because that is what I have easy access to. Um, and so thank you to Casio who left us a five-star review this past week. Also just wanted to um, mention that uh, somebody who left, left us a five-star review last week, 11121113111, updated their five-star review to clarify that they didn't go to high school with you, Patrick. Okay, I must have, it must have been a different 11121113111. Yeah. It's a, pretty, I, it's a common name is what it, I'm saying. Yeah, it's, it's pretty common. Actually, like, I was surprised to see it, although normally I feel like I'm familiar with it as like a, like a last name. I feel like, uh, you know, maybe it wasn't... It might have been my family. Um, huh. Just, just like, you know, like, uh, I feel like it was pretty common when people were coming through Ellis Island that they, their names would get changed to 1112111311. Right. They used to be 1112111311 Steen and it got shortened. <laughs> yeah. That makes, yeah. that makes sense. Uh, I mean, I had three 1112111311s in, in my uh, graduating class. So, um, you know, because you never forget them because alphabetically they're right at the beginning of the list and <laughs> everyone else is after them. All right. Uh, thank you so much for leaving reviews. We appreciate it. Uh, Mark, let's get into what we've been playing this week. So we have both been playing the Famicom Detective Club, The Missing Air, the remake of the old Famicom disc system detective game that was never uh, never localized until this very weekend um and we both picked it up um mark how are you enjoying famicom detective club so i'm far? i'm loving it i am uh, like i'm surprised at how good the story is i would that yeah was unexpected to me um like there are lots of twists and turns things that i was not expecting to happen um some of it like I'm not at the end. How, how I'm in chapter eight or nine, so I am nearing the oh, end, but I'm you're not a little finished. Bit, yeah, you're a little bit further than me. I'm in the middle of chapter five right now. Okay, got it. Um, yeah. Like I feel like the big like twist or the answer to the mystery that is being set up is like fairly. I feel like I'm ahead of the main character. Um, but I I find like the writing really charming. I like the look of the game. Um, I'm enjoying well, the like, look is phenomenal. I think the the presentation and the way it like um it it almost feels like the animation is choppy, but it, I think it's a stylistic choice that like they uh it, it is at a lower frames per second than even like a a, a normal like movie is um so like sub twenty four frames per second um but it all like adds to this sort of like anime look that uh like just really really works for me. Yeah, totally. Um, I, like, I don't know about you, I have definitely gotten, like, frustrated with the game a little bit, like, I, the, the nice thing about it is there's no fail state, right? Like, you, yeah. you cannot advance until you figure out what you have to do, and normally what that is, is, like, um, talking to somebody again, and it's not really intuitive a lot of times what you're, I wouldn't, I guess not a lot of times, but there are definitely multiple times per chapter where I'm, like, I don't entirely understand what I have to do to like get yeah. past this state. And so I'm just going to go through every option in the menu again. 
And occasionally yeah. it's like, okay, I go through every option in the menu again, nothing happens. And then I go through it again and finally something triggers. And I'm like, I don't know why this didn't trigger the last time. No, it is. I mean, it, 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 it can be frustrating because like, I, I always, I always want it to be like, okay, if I've done everything, if I've done like all of the options, it should be, it should just like trigger onto the next thing. But like, there is a part in the fourth chapter where you are so that the, the premise of the game is that you uh, are a detective who has amnesia, has just uh, 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 woken up um, uh, uh, near a cliffside that you have apparently fallen down and uh, you can't remember anything. And someone has saved you. Uh, and there is a part in chapter four where you are in his apartment, in the apartment of the person who saved you. Um, and he's like, why don't you go back to the cliff and see if there are any oh clues? Oh my gosh, this part is infuriating. This part is absolutely infuriating because what you have to do is you have to go to the cliff, like travel to the cliff area, investigate it, find nothing, go back to him, talk to him for a little bit about whatever, go back to the cliff, and then go back to him again. Like you have to go back and forth an undetermined number of times before the game will advance. And he's like, oh, yeah, I just remembered something. <laughs> um, so, yeah, the, I, I find the sort of invisible triggers to be. Um, frustrating, and I think I encounter like one per chapter that like stumps me. Um, where like I'm like, well, I don't know. I'm just gonna make it. I'm just gonna try everything again. Um, and, but beyond that, beyond that one like frustrating trigger every chapter, uh, everything feels very like uh natural and intuitive, and like I'm uh playing the game the way I would play a like role playing detective game. Yeah, I, I think that's true for the most part, or like, at least for me, the, the good and like this, the super fun of it, like, I'm having a ton of fun playing this game that I'm able to forgive the, yeah. like, those sort of like foibles. Um, there was one in an earlier chapter where like, uh, and I guess minor spoilers for the game, but actually you might appreciate us talking about this if you play this. Um, there's one where like, you're talking to the doctor and... Uh, there's like no option like other where it's like, I feel like I exhausted everything where it's like, I've talked to him about all the dialogue options multiple times. So it's like, I yeah. guess I'll look around the room and um, what you are supposed to do is eventually like I clicked on the x-ray and he's like, right. <laughs> and you're in. Oh, the, would you like an x-ray? <laughs> right. Because yeah. you, because yeah. you have amnesia, like you hit your head. Do you want an x-ray? And it's like, okay. Like I eventually got there, but that's not like super intuitive. But again, it's nice. It's not like an uh, like some of the adventure games from the eighties, uh, mostly like Western adventure games, where like you can get stuck or you can fail. Where it's like, oh, you didn't pick up this clue, or you or you talk to somebody and they get mad at you or something like that. It's like, no, you're free to like bug people as many times as you want. Uh, you know, you just you cannot with, fail. With some exceptions, like oh, well, not not that you uh, you still can't fail, but like if you ask, is her name Akane, mm -hmm. the uh, the the maid. If you ask her more than like two questions, she clams right up and is no longer talking to you anymore. But that's just part of her character. Um, it's it it really is. Um, it's remarkable how many of the characters I find to be um like charming and well written characters. Totally. Um, uh, is his name uh Zenzu the the butler? Um, he's great. Uh, super fun to talk to. Um, even the character of the detective himself. Um for being a character that you end up naming after yourself, it literally asks you what is your last name and what is your first name. 
which I think is amazing. It's not like name the character. It's like, this is you. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, but like, I find uh, his character interesting. Um, and uh, yeah, just like every, there's just, and there's, there's like a, a legend about this family that you're investigating. Um, and the, the legend is uh, basically that when one of them dies, uh, they will return uh, as a, as a ghost and like take revenge on the person that, that murdered them. Which of course then frames the events of the uh, murder mystery uh, in a much more like sinister supernatural light, um, and I don't know. I'm 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 really really digging it. I love how unapologetically Japanese it is, mm-hmm. um, which is something that I feel like if it had been localized in like 1988 or whenever the game came out, <laughs> totally uh, would have would have been awful. They would have destroyed it. Um, yeah, I'm I'm. I'm really happy with this game. I'm I'm very glad that we both picked it up. Uh, and I think I'm probably going to, when I finish, roll right into the next one. I think I am too, which really surprised me. Because one, like, the game it, I is not that long. So it, it, it doesn't outstay its welcome. Like, again, like, I am fairly close to the end. And I think in totality, it's going to take me maybe seven or eight hours to do the whole yeah. thing. So it feels achievable to do the second one. Um... And so, yeah, I, I'm actually really excited to roll into the second game after it, which I guess is a prequel to this game, which makes sense then why, like, it does a check to see... It, instead of uh, when it... Before you input your name, it will do a check to see, like, do you have saved data from the other one? Because I'm assuming it just oh, takes smart. whatever name you put in uh, for that one. So I'm assuming, actually, the reverse will be true when we play um, The Girl Who Stands Behind. But... Uh, the other thing that I wanted to t- say about this that I am enjoying a lot is how, like, uh, very of its time it is. Like, there are ashtrays everywhere. Like, people, like, characters yeah. smoke. Like, it's kind of, it's like, I feel like uh, if Nintendo were to create an adventure game from scratch, it maybe wouldn't have these elements. Because um, you just don't oh, really. totally. S- it's, it, it's, it's remarkable. I mean, not, not just, like, the, the of its time stuff, but, like, um, the, the cliffside that I mentioned earlier is a notorious cliff for suicide that people go to this cliff to commit suicide. Um, and one of the murders that you're investigating is a suicide, uh, or at least appears to be a suicide. I guess I don't know. <laughs> um, but like it is, uh, you know, you, you, you had to accept like a little bit of darkness with a murder mystery, but like embracing so much suicide. And as you say, so much smoking and ashtrays, and like a cigar box being like a a point or a tobacco box, I guess, uh, being like a a point in the mystery that you're investigating. Um, yeah, it just it feels very like of its own identity. Like I don't I don't uh, outside of just like the general quality, it doesn't feel like it's a Nintendo game. Yeah, yeah, and so uh, yeah, I agree with you. I'm really enjoying it. I'm actually enjoying it more than I expected I would. Um, so I, I thought like the frustrations or I guess I, I really wasn't expecting to enjoy the story as much as I am, but I'm pretty invested. I like it a lot. Um, I also, I gotta say the, uh, background art in this thing is incredible. Um, like anytime you go into, and you'll go into the same locations like over and over again, right? Like you keep going back to the cliff, you keep going back to the, uh, family's mansion and like, a you know, a handful of rooms in there. Um, but all of those drawings are just absolutely beautiful. Like they look like a Studio Ghibli film, um, like just really, really beautiful stuff. Um, and so anytime, and sometimes you'll go to the cliff and it's like during a sunset and you're like, oh, everything here is gorgeous. Um, 
Like it, it really is a feast. It makes me sort of curious what the uh, Famicom graphics were like. I looked it up and it's uh, it's hilarious how rudimentary it is. <laughs> like the, the comparison, because I agree. Like the this new one looks so good and plays like for the most part, other than those like frustrations we talked about. Like yeah. it plays like an adventure game, like I expected to. Um, so it doesn't feel antiquated in that way. But yeah, the, the graphics are really funny in comparison. You should look up the screenshots. It's it's pretty great. I will. I will. Um, are you playing with the um arranged uh the like current arranged music or with the original 8-bit music i am playing with the ar- current arranged music like the remakes music uh, i because again just like with the graphics i was curious to like to know because i i like the music and so i was curious to know what like the 8-bit version that it's based on uh sounded like and um i do not enjoy listening to those compositions no it's sort of grating right <laughs> i had the same thought where i was like oh cool i'm gonna i'm gonna put on the 8-bit music this is gonna rule uh, and the sort of like atmospheric um, stuff that the new arrangements are really able to accomplish, really able to, yeah, I guess accomplish, um, does not translate to eight bit. <laughs> like, yeah, it's <laughs> it's amazing that someone took that source material and was like, oh, okay, I got it. I can I I can change this. I can save this. Do you think that it's worth the asking price? Like, do you think it's worth the thirty five bucks? That's tough. No, probably. I mean, I I think twenty is a is a perfect uh like asking price for for something like this, um. But it's I mean it's it's really hard to say. I don't. I mean, if if it wasn't a Nintendo game, I would probably say no, right? Like so. Yeah, yeah I don't know. I I know. I I feel the same way. Like if it was an indie title that had like the same faults and like the same everything, I probably would be like, ooh, thirty five is a lot for this. But uh, that being said, like, I'm enjoying it and I'm about to pick up the second yeah. one. So I'll be spending like $60 on this in totality uh, after the discount. So, like, it's worth it, but just kind of like know what you're getting into. I, I wish they still had the vouchers because yeah. I feel like the like if you're in uh, Europe and you can perfect. still buy yeah. vouchers, like this is the perfect game to spend to use vouchers on. Although what the, the vouchers just let you buy two games for a hundred bucks right would it count these two games as one of two? Oh yeah that's you know a I mean? great point i have no idea i don't know uh, that, that is too much math for me to try to figure yeah. out on the air one third of a game <laughs> <laughs> um yeah uh what, what what else is there to say about this um you know, it, i i do think that it's it's interesting um you know, as uh, as we were maybe saying last week, um, in just experiencing like a, a slice of Nintendo history that um, had been sort of invisible to us uh, prior to this. Um, but I think that 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 like that's sort of how I was expecting to enjoy this game. Um, and I do enjoy it that way, but it frequently gets uh, overshadowed by just straight up enjoying the game. Right. Like I'm just having fun playing it. Have you been playing it in handheld mode or TV or a little bit of both? On the TV. I've been playing it uh, in mostly in handheld. I played for a little bit on the TV, but um, it feels to me like the perfect handheld game. And maybe yeah. it's because I associate other kind of marginally similar. Like I'm a big uh, uh, Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney fan. And these games are not, they're not really similar other than being like adventure games. Um, but uh, I guess maybe just in my mind, I associate those types of things with like being a handheld experience. 
But so I, I've been playing it mostly in handheld. That's smart. I feel like I should probably shift over to that. I would maybe uh, not not that I'm not enjoying it now, but like um some of it, you know, there, there's something about it a murder mystery that feels like cozy, feels mm, intimate, mm-hmm. right? Um, and maybe uh, bringing that closer to my face and like playing it better <laughs> or something would, would feel good. Um, all right. Uh, I also continue to play uh, Pick Cross S2 um, and have really been enjoying um, the Mega Pick Cross games. Man, Mega Pick Cross, uh, the genius who invented that. Um, I tip my hat to you, Mega Pick Cross inventor. Remind me again how Mega Pick, what Mega Pick Cross is. So Mega Picross will combine normal like Picross rules of just showing you uh, on an individual line that there you know two and then three and then four uh, you know dots that you have to fill in, um, but it will also uh, lump two lines together and say there is a continuous line of five dots, uh, and it it's not specific about uh, where they are in that line or whether it's like one uh, on uh, on the second of the two lines and then four on the other or like three and two or two and three or whatever um and so it's it's just like you have to it's like taking the the concept of pick cross and sort of like opening it up and like broadening it so you have like another dimension of it to think about at the same time it's really engaging Mm. and super fun and there was a long time that it intimidated the heck out of me um but uh, now that I know how to do it, I feel very comfortable with it. And I feel like a genius when I do it right. You know, the only Picross games that I'm familiar with are like ones that are like specifically themed, um, you yeah. know, like Zelda Picross or Mario Picross or something like that. And then the uh, puzzles in Murder by Numbers, which were all um, like associated with the murder. Like they all had something to do with the mystery that you were trying to solve. And so uh, in just like a Picross game, are the images just like, are there themes uh, or are the images just like anything? No, they're just stuff, just stuff. <laughs> uh, and like, there there are a bunch of times where, as I'm doing the mega Picross puzzles, where I'm like, oh, this is the same image that I solved in like another puzzle. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, you know, while you're in it, I mean, I don't when when playing a a Picross thing, I am so far from thinking of what the actual image is. Uh, like I just see numbers and uh colored in squares and and x's like that's all i see um until it's done and then it like transforms into like oh a a bird of some kind um so yeah i it's i i recognize them only when it's complete i'm like oh yeah i guess i (laughs) did this image um all right so that's what we've been playing this week let's get into the new releases and what we might be playing next week This Friday, May 21st, Metopia is released for Switch. Yeah, sure is. <laughs> I don't um remake of a Nintendo 3DS game. It's 50 bucks mm-hmm. uh splitting that difference between a uh $60 Switch title or a $40 Nintendo 3DS title. Um I I for whatever I don't I don't care about this at all. I don't feel like one yeah. way or the other. Yeah, well, I I mean, I I feel like I don't care about this one way or the other. Uh, and also, I feel like I've got another Famicom Detective Club game that I'm going to start next week. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? <laughs> Where yeah. I'm like, no, thank you. My my time and money is spoken for. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, even even after that, I'm not like, 
I don't see the reason to get Miitopia. And maybe that'll change uh, when reviews start hitting later this week. Um, but like right now, it feels like a, a like the quintessential skip this one uh, title for me. Yeah, the the part that I'm looking forward to from it uh, is seeing again just more Mies that people use, and then the um or people create, and then kind of like the memes that come out of that because there are some very uh because one of the things about the Nintendo 3DS is that it was nigh impossible to share anything from your Nintendo 3DS yeah. like. A screenshot like you could theoretically take screenshots and then transfer them from your like uh sd card to your f- somewhere else your to computer the sd card out <laughs> which means that you had to like it was it was tough because you had to like pull the whole thing off and then it was like a weird cracking sound it was like behind the battery or something there was like it was tough to do <laughs> it was tough it was tough to do and like uh for whatever reason the 3ds always felt like uh um fragile enough not like the system itself but like the the software fragile enough that i'm like if i remove this sd card i'm worried it's gonna like reformat itself or something uh but but and that but that won't be a problem with switch and there are a lot of uh i remember seeing videos that people would just like take with their phone of the 3ds screen of really like kind of like funny delightful moments that happen in metopia and so i think with the easier sharing on switch there's it, it'll be fun to see what kind of like um uh stuff gets put out there yeah yeah and I, I wonder if it will have that sort of uh social media traction like um there were a couple days where it was exciting to see what people were doing with the me maker tools in the uh metopia demo um but it was truly a couple days yeah right and like even even a week later like i wasn't seeing me's anymore um so uh you know this will be a fun little experiment to see (laughs) uh if it takes and uh if it does what people are able to share also coming out on friday the new nintendo switch Lite blue color is released and uh knockout city is released on switch and other platforms and uh, you will be able to play the game for free from its release on Friday to May 30th on all platforms. Uh, they're having like a free trial top thing type thing, which is exciting to me because I wasn't able to play the open the uh, open beta. But I feel like this looks like fun. And so I'm excited to be able to try it without having to spend like the 30 bucks or whatever it is to buy it. Yeah. Um, and like I in, encourage everyone to I mean, it's a it's a free game for, for 10 days. So like absolutely go and uh, pick it up. Um, it I, I was in on the uh, crossplay beta um, and it was super fun and like really fast and like just enjoyable. It's it's a dodgeball game um, with, you know, it's a, it's a tricked out like dodgeball kind of game. Um, and I don't know. It's just it's just like. It's just fun and colorful. I really enjoyed my time with it. Like, is I it, really, really enjoyed it. Is it teams of four? Like, how many friends do you have to get together? Is it teams of three? Like, how many people is it? Teams I, of three. Yeah. Oh, okay. So that's that That feels doable. <laughs> we could, between you and I, we can we can get one friend together to, <laughs> exactly. to do that. Exactly. Uh, yeah. And I mean, I, I was playing with randos on the, uh, the cross-play beta, um, and it was you know, still fun. Um, and you know, it's a, a beta crowd is a little bit different than like everyone has access to it. Um, but like, you know, important to note that even in this, um, 
in this uh, 10-day free trial period, uh, it is cross-play. So, like, if you're playing on Switch, you can play with your friends on uh, any other platform. Like, it's it's everywhere. Um, so, yeah, I'm I'm genuinely excited for this. Uh, and like, honestly, I don't think I need more than ten day two weekends. Come on, <laughs> that's, <laughs> that, that's all that's all I need with this game anyway. Also, not strictly Nintendo related, but uh, Nintendo Life noticed that Ghost Trick Phantom Detective is back on the iOS App Store. Um, this is a Capcom game that was originally for the Nintendo DS and uh, has been on mobile, or I guess been on iOS previously. Uh, Capcom occasionally like takes it down for a little bit to um, update it, so that way it can be played on like newer devices. But yeah. um, it, I, I bought this back when it was originally released on the iOS App Store, and because after missing it on the DS, but hearing good things. And it really is a lot of fun. Um, it's puzzle focused. You like possess objects and engage them in like Rube Goldberg esque ways to like advance the story and like solve puzzles. Um, I and it's ten dollars to unlock the full game, but the first two chapters are free. And I so I really recommend uh, if you're even just tangentially interested, downloading and checking it out. The story's really fun. The characters are great. Um, and it has an amazing dog named Missile who is a, plays a prominent role in it. Uh, yeah, I, I highly recommend this game. Uh, unfortunately, not on Android, but you, if you have an iOS device, it's worth downloading just to check out the free chapters and you might end yeah. up loving it as much as I do. Um, I'm sorry, did you say it, but is this a, a Capcom game or did you say who it was? Y- yeah, it's a Capcom yeah. game. Mm-hmm. Cool, 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 cool. And I, I, um, I believe two chapters it's for the f- original. Oh. I was just gonna say that I think it was the original creator or director of uh, the Ace Attorney series um, before oh. he left Capcom. So yeah, it's a lot of fun. Um, cool. Uh, and you know, uh, two chapters for free, and then ten dollars to unlock the whole game uh, is the old Super Mario Run model. Uh, which is <laughs> not the highest level of success that uh, they're going into it with. Well, actually, when Super, I thought when Super Mario Run started, it didn't have the two free chapters, right? Isn't that what people were upset no, about? You could, no, you could, you could play the first, and I, we're saying two chapters, but it was a handful of levels. Oh, right. Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, even even from the beginning, yeah. Oh, okay, okay, all right. <laughs> Um, all right, those are the new releases. Let's close this out. Which brings us to a regular segment on our show. It is time for 433. In 1952, American composer John Cage wrote a piece called 433, wherein a performer or group of performers didn't play their instruments for 4 minutes and 33 seconds. For the purposes of this show, our instruments are talking about Nintendo. So, for the duration of one performance, 433, Mark and I will talk about something not at all Nintendo-related, thus fulfilling the contract of the piece. Um, Mark, today we are doing a topic that was suggested by listener Alana for our 433 episode. She says, rank the typical house pets. Cat, dog, sorry, these are all pluralized in, in her example. Cats, dogs, small mammals, reptiles, birds, and fish. Should we explore what small mammals we're discussing? Yeah. Because I think like so, yeah. um like mouse 
might rank differently than long-haired guinea pig. But I feel like we got to put them all together, like mouse, rat, gerbil, hamster, and guinea pig all got to be, they're all the same, they're all the same animal, right? Like, I feel uh, rabbit doesn't go in here. Rabbit's different. I guess it has to. <laughs> well, we don't really have an option because rabbit is a household pet, but in, in, the, uh, in the categories as given, right. we would have to put it in with small mammals unless we are excluding rabbits from this ranking entirely. Uh, no, let's include them in, in small mammals. I think, I think that's fair. I think it gives small mammals uh, like a little bit more clout, but I don't know enough that it would change the ranking, frankly. Yeah, I, I think I, I, I agree with you. I agree with you. Um, okay, so, uh, and then reptiles, we're talking like iguanas, snakes, turtles. It's a, I mean, that, that's such a wide thing because I feel like a uh, turtle, cool pet. Snake, don't do that. <laughs> I hate that. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, but I, I, think, I, think, I, I think we have to. Um, because I agree if we were to break it out, I mean, I guess we could do sub rankings where we're like, okay, rank reptiles in general. And then (laughs) that is within, but I, I feel comfortable for me putting like, like birds at the bottom, maybe fish because you have even less interaction with them, but I just don't, I am not a bird person. I do not care for birds. And as this is our ranking, I would say birds at the bottom. Right. Um, I, the only thing that I would push back on there is that there is the occasional awesome bird, right? Like every once in a while, there's like a big cockatiel or something that like has a lot of personality, is like singing songs with Iggy Pop. Did you see that, uh, that video of, <laughs> of, uh, of, uh, uh, why can't I think of uh, Iggy Pop, right? That's the guy's name. He's playing a song for his bird, and the bird is, like, grooving on it. Did you see this? It rules. <laughs> um, but, yeah. No, no, I, I, didn't, I didn't see that. Uh, otherwise, all other birds, I feel like the rest of the birds drag the average down to the point where, like, birds can be at the bottom. Well, okay, actually, maybe you're right. Maybe fish should be at the bottom, not because they're not beautiful, but just because they're so passive. Like, no fish is going to groove to a song. Right. Yes. Uh, <laughs> fish are plants, right? Fish are basically <laughs> plants. Okay. Fish at the bottom. Then uh, bir- birds, I, 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 could, I could see being next because you could get them to groove to a song. Uh, and then probably reptiles, right? Probably. But then if we're, if we're using the litmus test of groove to a song, you're not going to get a snake, a turtle, uh, I don't think a lizard to groove to a song. Oh, yeah. Like birds have more personality. Yeah. Okay. So birds above above reptiles. Then I'll I'll agree. Because even that. if it's like a, even if it's a bad crappy personality, at least like they have a personality. So okay, I I do feel okay right. about that. Um, and then I think small mammals just sort of by default goes next because the small mammal I don't care even if it is a rabbit isn't gonna beat cats or dogs, right? Yeah. Right. Right. Although I think a pair of long haired guinea pigs could give uh maybe cats a run for their money. But in general, I agree with you that small mammals uh, are not in that top tier. I knew a guy in Chicago who had a pair of long-haired guinea pigs whose names were Belladonna and Took. 
Well, you know, I there was a time maybe like 10 years ago, probably longer than that, where I was like, I want to get a pet, but like can't have a dog. Like, should I, maybe I should get a guinea pig and reading about them. And it's like, if you know, like guinea pigs are really show social animals. So don't have one guinea pig, get multiple guinea pigs. And that was a bridge too far for me. Even though I would love the idea of like watching TV with my guinea pigs, like brushing their hair. Um, That part sounds, that's part, that sounds really relaxing. It's the same problem as chinchillas. Like, it would be awesome to have a chinchilla. It's like, such a cool animal, but, like, you need to. They get too lonely. Uh, Mark, we ran out of time. Um, there was no applause on that video, which uh, is what the, one of the wrinkles that makes it not a good video. But dog's number one, cat's number two, right? <laughs> Hard to argue. <laughs> uh, we were accompanied today by Elbphilharmony. All right, Mark, let's get into the news. Yesterday, Nintendo released a new trailer for Mario Golf Super Rush. Um, the big news yeah. for me, the, tr- the trailer confirmed the game's starting roster, which is, I'll run it through real quick, no real surprises, um, maybe a couple surprises. Mario, Luigi, Wario, Waluigi, Peach, Daisy, Yoshi, Bowser, Bowser Jr., Boo, Donkey Kong, Rosalina, Pauline, that's kind of cool, Toad, Charge and Chuck, which is like the football guy from Super Mario World, Um, King Bob-omb is in there, and then presumably you're me, at least maybe in the multiplayer modes. Yeah, uh, it's a a good, if like sort of predictable character list. For me, the exciting inclusion here is Pauline. Um, It's so rad and makes me think that we are going to see her again in the, that like she will be in the extended like roster of Mario characters that just shows up and stuff. Yeah, and she's in Mario Kart Tour, the mobile game. And so I'm wondering if like Mario Kart 9, like you were saying, like she is basically becomes like the new Rosalina. Yeah, totally. Totally. What and do you think? Yeah, that- I was just going to say, if she was in Super Mario 3D World, like, what do you think her power would be, right? Because she's not going to float like Princess Peach. Right. Huh. And she's not going to have, like, an extra close-range attack like Rosalina has. Well, one thing I was thinking is, like, I wonder if she could have an extra jump that's, like, facilitated, kind of like using her hat, like Cappy in like mario uses cappy in super mario odyssey like she like because her hat is such like a prominent part of her design yeah well and that that would also make sense because the way rosalina has that like extra attack is like mario's abilities in the games where she comes from so the logic extends to pauline's abilities would be like mario's abilities in super mario odyssey so yeah basically her hat would be a cappy that can't capture people I am also excited for everybody's golf outfits. Um, that is a fun part, like more so than ten than like uh, Super Mario Tennis Aces, where there yeah. weren't really any memorable outfits in that. I feel like golf gives uh, the designers a little bit of a license to go crazy with plaid. Yeah, Wario's pants. I mean, I feel like in the real world we don't see too many plaids that are. Uh, purple and yellow 
Um, but Wario doesn't care. He's going to wear the ugliest, loudest pants you've ever seen and look great in them. I'm so excited about Wario's pants. Yeah, Wario's pants are definitely like, um, he looks like he's coming from a, from like playing the trombone and like a squirrel nuts zipper yep. cover band or something yep. like that. Yeah, it's very right. ska to me. It's very ska. Which is probably why I'm so into it. We should at some point rank the golf pants of the <laughs> uh, Mario Golf Super Rush characters. Uh, that sounds like something perfect for the end of June when uh, <laughs> uh, this game comes out. And also in the trailer, they show off in addition to the speed golf multiplayer mode, which we had uh, seen in a previous trailer. There's also battle golf, which I think is new. At least I don't remember it being brought up, but it looks yeah. like goofy fun. Um, plus throw in the story mode, which includes some like RPG elements. And the game looks pretty good. Like to me, it looks more fun than Mario Tennis Aces did. Yeah, at the very least, it seems like they are presenting more like genuinely interesting game modes. Um, this uh, battle golf seems super cool. It's, uh, you know, a four player like you're all just dropped into an arena uh, where there are multiple holes. And it's just a, a race to see who can claim three of them first, um, which is such a, a cool, weird twist on like the idea of golf um, that like I'm, I'm just it's it, it's very it's very cool. I'm 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 into this. Yeah, I think so, too. One of the details that I'm not clear on is like how online works or if online works for all of the multiplayer modes yeah. like can you do speed golf can you do battle golf in uh like online and how many different switches can connect when you're doing it like all that stuff i haven't really dove into um but yeah it, it, it looks like fun i i can't remember the last time i played a mario golf game yeah, I mean, I, I played the uh, the 3DS one uh, a little bit, then picked it up uh, again just a couple months ago, um, just because I was getting excited about Mario Golf, and now I'm like, no, forget it. We're playing Super Rush. <laughs> just gotta wait. Uh, yesterday, big news was announced in the entertainment sphere when AT&T said that they were going to spin off Warner Brothers Media, or Warner's Media, um, into its own entity and combine it with Discovery. Um, which is seems like so random and crazy, but uh, what it, the relevance here is that a few months ago, maybe a few weeks ago, there were rumors that AT and T was looking to sell WB Games, and that was later denied. But as part of the reporting around um, this new entity, this new merger with Discovery, uh, WB Games future is again kind of up in the air there were reports today that like some of the studios were going to be sold or like some of them would be retained by AT&T some of them would be part of this new entity so it's kind of it's difficult to know exactly like what is going to happen with WB's developers yeah. it's it's super tricky because like a, a lot of the WB um, studios are like tied into specific WB IP right um, you know, you've got Rocksteady, who's doing the, the Suicide Squad game, WB Montreal, which is making the new Batman game, um, and obviously, like, NetherRealm. Um, I mean, I just sort of think of the uh, Mortal Kombat games as, like, WBIP at this point, but, like, are they? Or is it just NetherRealm IP? Like, I, 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 guess, I guess we don't really know. Um, 
uh, and uh, like, but but then there are also like the other studios that uh, just make other games where that aren't specifically tied into uh, uh, a very specific IP. I'm thinking I'm I'm like tap dancing around um, TT Games, who makes the the Lego games, um, which are obviously tied to individual I- IP, but like from sort of all over the uh, the, the the world, um, and like. We're still waiting on a release date uh, or like an announcement of uh, when the Skywalker saga, um, Lego Star Wars, the Skywalker saga is going to come out. Um, But like, is that in danger again now? Like what's what's going on there? Well, the I mean, unless like uh, Warner's Media like moved ahead of time to shut down studios or anything like this deal with Discovery wouldn't actually close until 2022. So I feel like, and plus, you know, like Lucas there, that game specifically is also tied into a deal with like Lucasfilm. And so I think like, I I think that game is probably safe. Um, But yeah, you bring up a good point about the, I I think the Lego games in general, it's just, it's interesting how much that they leverage. I guess they do it from everywhere. Let me start all over because I do think that it's like it is true that they leverage a lot of like Warner Brothers properties like you get Harry Potter stuff, you get Batman, yeah. like all that kind of stuff. But then also there are Lego games. Lego feels kind of like agnostic, like even though they've been a part of totally. WWE games, they're kind of able to do whatever they want. One that I'm interested to know what will happen with is Monolith Productions, like uh, the people who most recently did... I think they most recently did the like Middle Earth, like Shadows of Mordor games. Yeah, Shadows of Mordor, and Shadows of War, Shadow of War. I don't know what they've been up to since then, but uh, it feels like because I think the sequel was like 2017, so you know four years ago. So I, I'm curious what they have been working on and what that will mean for them. Um, yeah. Well, and I mean, uh, honestly, I think you can really put. WB Montreal and Rocksteady in the in the same boat too, right? Because uh well they both have games that we know are like uh the what what's in the the, the Batman game called? Um Arkham Knights is what it's called. No, is that no that's Gotham Knights? I don't know. Gotham I Knights, I think. Gotham because um, Arkham Knight was the the last one. The, the Right, the it is it's, one. It, it's Gotham Knights. Okay. Um but like that game was recently delayed until next year, um, but uh, for both of those studios, uh, they've been sitting on those games—not sitting on—they've been working on them for a long time. And it's been, uh, you know, when when we talked about this last time of like, you know, that they're trying to sell off these studios um, that make these like great games that sell really well. It's like, yeah, when they finish them, uh, it's been so long since the last set of Batman games that like. I wonder if, uh, you know, wherever they go to next, if uh, they survive beyond putting out just these games, and they're like, all right, you take too long. You cost too much. Um, I mean, especially when you, I mean, AT&T bought Warner Brothers and all of Warner Media and therefore Warner Games um, before a Suicide Squad was even announced, after uh, Arkham Knight came out, and have not seen that studio make any money for them the whole time that's wild yeah well like yeah the at&t deal uh 
the, you know, like because they bought all of Warner Brothers, they got so much stuff that I don't like, like Warner's game that just kind of like came with it that I don't think that yeah. they were ever like really interested in. And so I, I think the reason to be worried for the future of these studios in their current form is like when you look at the reason at t is spinning off Warner's media and combining it with Discovery, and it's going to be run by the like the CEO of like Discovery, and so uh, probably a lot of that leadership team is going to be taking the helm. It's like okay, they're doing that because they want to be like a streaming like entertainment giant, and where do games fit into there? Like a expensive, you know, like risky business. It's like probably not anywhere. Like. Um, DC Comics, which this new entity will also own, at least makes yeah. like some amount of sense in the same way like Disney owning Marvel Comics makes sense. It's like, yeah, like they're going to create new stories and they can continue to leverage these characters and like licensing the merchandise and all that kind of stuff. And so, yeah, great. We own DC Comics. And so now we can turn that into HBO TV series and like a Discovery uh, reality show or whatever they want to do. But like, what are you going to do right. with this games division? You got to spend a ton of money and wait years and hope that they create a mega blockbuster. Like it's, it's just, it's the games industry problem, like in, in a nutshell. Um, but, uh, all of which, uh, we have, uh, no clear image of right now. Like it's, uh, it, it's a little bit the same spot that we were in a couple of months ago when the rumor was that they were going to be selling the games division. Uh, and now we're just sort of there again, where we're like, <laughs> what's going to happen? Uh, it's, I, I, I am reassured by, and I think you're right to say that um, the Skywalker saga, uh, Lego Star Wars Skywalker saga, is uh, probably a sure bet will come out. Um, but I feel like everything else is uh, maybe in some form of danger. Yeah, I mean, I could just totally see the some of the big publishers coming in and taking these developers like piecemeal, right? Like, okay, great. Uh, take two or whoever is going to take uh, Nether Realms and um you know uh ea is going to pick up tt games or whatever like that feels most yeah. likely to me but you are 100 percent correct that like it is way early in this and entirely speculation at this point playstation should grab uh rockstar and wb games that would be <laughs> that would be a coup for them well, especially because like i don't know that um and maybe maybe i'm wrong microsoft maybe has all the money in the world but uh i feel like they made such a big uh purchase in the form of Zenimax last year or earlier this year whenever that was um that I don't know if they're in like a place to make another like huge purchase but you know it's it's a it's a fire sale at this point like everything must go <laughs> I would like maybe I, maybe I mean you know I I feel the same way about this that I did when the rumors that they were looking to sell WB games in general where it's like I I'm not excited by more consolidation in the video game space. Like, I think right. it'll be sad if we lose WB Games as a publisher because that is like another company that, like, at least ostensibly is competing with these other like monolithic publishers. Um, and so it, like, yeah, like, it does feel inevitable that this is going to get broken. In my mind, it inevitable this is going to get broken up and like sold off to different companies, but. Uh, it would be nice if it is somehow like able to, I don't know, hold together or something. I just like the idea of less consolidation. Yeah, I agree with that. And the the, the interesting thing is how little that seems to be uh, 
I mean, this this news is a day old at this point, right? So like, there's so much we don't know. Um, but like, you know, I I, I saw a headline that was like, uh, Dune is no longer going to be streaming day and date on uh, HBO Max, and it's like, oh yeah, of course. Like these these are promises that uh, a different company made to their audience, and now it's a uh, now it is transformed into a, another company, and they don't have to keep those old promises anymore. Um, and that. It's just the 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 loss of all these old promises where I'm like, oh, oh no. The Pokemon Company has started a new program in J- in Japan focused on spreading the charm of Piplup around the world. Uh, okay, all right. It, all it right. is it okay. is referred to as uh, P- Project Pochama. Um, Pochama is Piplup's name in Japan. The uh, Pokemon Japanese YouTube channel released a cute one-minute video of a Piplup being styled and photographed to kick off the promotion. It's actually, the Piplup is not actually styled or photographed, but, like, the Piplup is, like, a mascot costume and, like, comes into the room and there's all these clothes and they're, like, you know, holding a shirt up to the Piplup and everything, but he doesn't actually change into the clothes. And this, somebody's, like, running a comb through the Piplup's hair, but, like, nothing, you know, like, the Piplup looks the same. But then he's getting all these, like, glamour right. shots. It's a lot of fun. Piplup is, is of course a uh, little blue penguin like uh lo- or maybe it's just a just a generic bird. Yeah, I don't know maybe what Piplup really is penguin-y. supposed to be. Yeah. yeah. But yes, a little like a little like bird um looking type thing. Uh there's also a Japanese Twitter account and a Japanese Instagram account for uh Project Pochama. Um but like Patrick was saying, Piplup is a water type Pokemon uh from Gen 4 from Pokemon Diamond and Pokemon Pearl and probably not coincidentally the upcoming Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl remakes that are coming to Switch later this year. So I feel like Piplup is getting the uh, glow up that Eevee got around Let's Go Eevee. And so um, I think Pokemon Company is ready for the world to fall in love with Piplup. I got to admit, it's working a little bit on me. Didn't care about Piplup at all. Uh, I have no memory of where we ended up ra- rating Piplunk. Piplup. I got to stop. Wow. Yeah, you, you do gotta. Well, here's here's the thing. I, didn't we just determine the best starter? I don't think we ranked them. Oh, you are absolutely right. You're absolutely right. So he wasn't number one. Is all <laughs> we know for sure. That's right. Um, also, speaking of the Pokemon Company, they released a music video for the song "Electric" by Katy Perry that'll be featured on an album being released as part of Pokemon's 25th anniversary celebration. The music video features Pikachu and P- and Pichu, and uh, Pikachu and Katy Perry are like in a lighthouse. They're running around. Um, Pikachu is prominently featured. Um, they're they're also helping a young woman like discover her like artistic voice. Um, and the young woman either is a young Katy Perry or isn't. It's not clear if they're traveling through time or what's happening. Um, and she, the young Katy Perry is accompanied by the Pichu, while Katy Perry is accompanied by the Pikachu, which sort of casts the Pikachu as the, you know, geriatric Gen 1 Pokemon, right? That he's, like, he's like the old elder statesman helping to guide the Pichu as uh, Katy Perry. Of course, Mark, like you and I, among the uh, geriatric millennial generation, uh, I I think I think that's what's happening there. That makes sense. That makes that makes a ton of sense. Square Enix announced a Dragon Quest 35th anniversary special that will stream live next Wednesday, May 26th. 
at 8.30 p.m. Pacific time. Uh, the first time one of these events has ever been simulcast outside of Japan. Um, the announcement for the stream says, quote, Introducing the upcoming lineup in the Dragon Quest series. May 27th is Dragon Quest Day. And to celebrate the 35th anniversary of the series, we're bringing you a special broadcast to showcase all of the latest information about what's going on and what's yet to come in the world of Dragon Quest. Patrick, it feels a yes. little too early to me for them to be talking about Dragon Quest 12. But do you think we will finally get the Dragon Quest 9 remake that I so desperately want? Oh boy, that's tough. Here's the thing. I don't expect this to be any mainline Dragon Quest thing. This is either like Builders 3 or another another spin-off of of some kind. Just because like I guess re- a remake would fall into that category, but man, a remake of 9 would be tricky, right? Because it's so like multiplayer focused. But doesn't that but doesn't now seem like the perfect time to do it when like you could have it on Switch, which is the most yeah. multiplayer capable like Nintendo console? And like we're up to that point, right? Like there were um Dragon like Dragon Quest 8 released on the Nintendo 3DS, and so it seems inevitable that 9 would be coming out. That game has to have has to be like over 10 years old at this point yeah i mean there are also a ton of earlier dragon quest games not on the switch yet really it's just one two three and then 11 um so like if they wanted to put you know either the uh like remasters or remakes of any of them (laughs) on switch uh i think that would be big news too so yeah the fact that they're simulcasting it like outside of japan for the first time on the one hand i'm like oh, it must be because they're going to be doing something like kind of big. But on the other hand, I could also see them just being like, well, we're trying to make Dragon Quest more international. So it's not that we have like huge announcements for this. It's just that, you know, that's part of our um, attempt to broaden the reach of Dragon Quest. Yeah, I mean, at this point, I'm sort of expecting it to be a waste of everyone's time, (laughs) but it could be cool. It could be cool. Do you think there's a there's a world where uh they bring they do like a worldwide launch of 10? Like a oh. remake and cuz te- 10 is the MMO um which like has an audience in Japan but like never yeah. released outside. I don't I don't think so. I I guess uh I don't think they'll ever bring it to consoles here cuz it's so especially now at this point where uh there's been so many expansions that the amount of localization work must be just like out of control yeah, be huge um yeah, yeah like maybe... but like they, they must be seeing uh some success with um final fantasy 14 like squaring it's the same company right um that like that's doing well but i guess the the two brands are sort of I- I- incomparable uh final fantasy does not equal dragon quest and the other way around yeah although i do wonder if uh they would look i mean i think dragon quest 11 did fine uh outside of japan but i still don't think it's like i don't think dragon quest is um despite their many attempts like they tried it with nintendo published nine on the ds they had a big uh ad campaign around it i think starring seth green you know like there like there have been pushes to make dragon quest like uh as big as final fantasy in outside of japan and it hasn't ever really caught on um i think they've had the most success with nine and with eleven but I, I, to me, it just feels like um, 
I don't know if they're ever going to be able to do that. And so it would be cool if the next Dragon Quest had like a worldwide release. Like that might help. Um, yeah, that'd be cool. But I, I wonder if like instead of trying to bring 10 over, if they would bring like if there's going to be like a, a mobile MMO or something like that, that'll be international. Yeah. So it could it could be a, a a fun day of announcements and it could be a frustrating day. Of <laughs> yeah, mobile games like who knows? It could be literally anything. And so I'm uh, I'm excited, but I am keeping my expectations low. Uh, EA has announced that their next big EA Play Live event is going to be held July 22nd. This is a departure per- from previous years where EA held their event in June, right around E3. I think in 2019 it was like the weekend before E3, kind of capitalizing yep. on the excitement around it and having like journalists in LA to cover E3. Um, EA hasn't been releasing a whole lot on Switch, although recently they've been sporting it more than the first few years. You know, we've gotten um, like Burnout Paradise and most recently the um, uh, Plants vs. Zombies game from PopCap. And my personal wish list, and even if it doesn't come to Switch, uh, that would be okay. I would just love a Dead Space collection. Um, I've yeah. never played the f- third game, but I really like the first two games. It scratches that Resident Evil itch probably more successfully than any other like uh, franchise for me. And so I would love to see Dead Space make a comeback. Yeah, that'd be super cool. Uh, I also, you know, every time we talk about EA games that should be on Switch, uh, I got to bring up The Sims 4. Like, why is that not there? Um, you know, there's obviously an audience for that sort of like chill out simulation game uh, on, on Switch, proven with, with Animal Crossing. Um, also, it will never come to Switch, but what if there we get uh, details about the sequel to Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order? Mm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that does seem like... When did that game come out? 2019? Yeah, 20, like December 2019. Wow, yeah. So maybe we will, maybe we will hear something. Um, have I ever told you my pitch for a sequel to Jedi Fallen Order? No. Um, so the, the story of Jedi Fallen Order like, wraps itself up in a way that I find frustrating, but also like, kind of completely um, like, put, put sort of a, a, a cap on the end of it. Uh, and acts as like a a fun little like capper to the prequel trilogy. Uh, my pitch for the sequel would be Star Wars Sith Fallen Order, and would take place immediately after the sequel trilogy, where you're playing like the last surviving member of the Sith. Oh, cool! Like you're one of the dudes in the big arena at the end in a robe. Yeah, yeah, one of those dudes in a robe who like came from where, do what, are about what. No one knows. But maybe, but that's perfect then, right? It's a blank slate. It's yep. like, okay, I'm a dude. I'm in a robe. I'm on Exegol. I'm in this Coliseum. Everything collapses. The Emperor gets evaporated. Like, what happens next? I'm into what it. What do I do now? Yeah. Yeah. A new art book for Kirby Star Allies was released in Japan last week. And in it is an interview with the game's director, Shinya Kumazaki, which was then translated by Nintendo Everything. Uh, There are some neat insights about the difficulties in making Star Allies and what lies ahead for the Kirby series. Says, quote, We say this every game, but the team and I overcame many difficulties making Star Allies. There is always a sense of uncertainty at the beginning of a project, and it's natural uh, we were hesitant about including some of the dream friends, but we worked together to make it happen. 
When working on the three free updates for the game, we encouraged all team members, young and old, to give their input on what they thought fans wanted to see. It was very difficult to organize all the suggestions, but I think Star Allies is a compilation of Nintendo and the Kirby team's efforts. With its release, we've finally broken the 11-year drought of side-scrolling titles on consoles. We also added cooperative multiplayer that fans have waited for, another accomplishment that the staff felt feel great about. And now, finally, we can move on to the next phase. I will try, I still try new things at work every day, talking with my colleagues about where to take the series next. Together with them, even if only to please a single fan, we're planning for the next <laughs> stage of our future. The team is a culmination of the best aspects of the Kirby franchise, and we hope you look forward to, to what we have coming next. Uh, it's interesting. Um, there, there's the, uh, the, there's the thing of like what happens next, or like what they're trying to do next with Kirby, and like I don't know. I never think of Kirby as like a very forward-facing franchise. Like it always feels like it is, uh, like chasing the nostalgia of even like the very earliest games. Even in talking about um, the Super NES one, uh, has basically contains a remake of the original Kirby game in it. Um, it's just it's interesting to hear and be like, oh yeah, so we were trying to get like everyone's old favorites in in the last one. It's like yeah, that's what you do in everything, right? <laughs> yeah, it it is interesting. I feel like uh, I I shared like very much the same view of Kirby, and that is because there are a lot of Kirby entries that have passed me by, and so. Maybe if I had played like a uh, planet Robobot or something like that, that feels like a little bit more of a um, uh, stretch or not a stretch, but like changing things up for the Kirby franchise that I would feel differently. But yeah, like, you know, the last Kirby platformer I played before Kirby Star Allies was, I don't even really know. And so my, my like view of what Kirby is, is very like specifically tied to those games like Star Allies, which is very much, to my mind, like a nostalgia trip. Yeah, totally. And I guess, I guess the one before that would have been Epic Yarn, right? Yeah, maybe. Was there one in like I I know that there was a remake of Kirby Superstar, but that must was for the DS. So yeah, must have been Epic well, Yarn. Well, it's it's, it's console. It's he's, he's saying uh console side. Oh, got it, got so. it, got it. Yeah. He's very specific with his words to, to make the 11 year <laughs> drought sound I- impressive. But yeah, like uh it does feel like it has been it's it's been a few years since Star Allies. I know that we got Kirby Fighter 2. I feel like Kirby is ever present. Um but yeah. a, but a new Kirby like game still feels like an event to me. Um and so I am interested to see what they come up with next. Yeah, agree. Finally, uh, the LucasArts Super Nintendo Classics, uh, Zombie Ate My Neighbors, and its sequel, Ghoul Patrol, are coming to Switch, PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and PC on June 29th in a package elegantly titled Lucasfilm Classic Games, Zombie Ate My Neighbors, and Ghoul Patrol. It's going to be $15, uh, available digitally, with limited-run games making a physical version for select platforms, um, but details on that are coming sometime this summer. The package, in addition to the games, includes like a quick save feature and museum features, um, like interviews with the developers, things like that. Uh, we talked about zombies ate my zombie ate zombies ate my neighbors. It, I was really debating. Yeah. I was trying in the that like brief two seconds to get the name of it right. 
and repeating myself until I got there. Zombies ate my neighbors. We talked about it way back in October 2017 in an episode all about zombie games where we also talked about our experience with Zombie U and Resident Evil 4. Um, this is a cool package. I mean, not that the games themselves are all that great. Like, uh, Z- Zombies Ain't My Neighbors is like a fun kind of like campy, um, you know, overhead, not really horror, but like horror themed, uh, uh you know, a- action game. Um, but the, the price is right here. 15 bucks is, uh, nice and low. Um, and just knowing that it comes with the, you know, sort of bells and whistles that we see in the, uh, Blizzard arcade collection. Like this is a cool trend. This is the kind of thing I want to see more of forever is uh bundling together of like some s- obscure-ish Super Nintendo games um with uh museum features and a rewind functionality and, and all that kind of stuff. Uh I'm I'm all about this. This is and I've never even heard of Ghoul Patrol. Never even heard of it, Mark. Yeah, me either. I thought I was like, "Oh, is this like the European name? Like what is going on here?" Who knows? No one knows. Um, but yeah, it's a, it, it seems like a, a handsome little package. Um, I can't believe that for one episode, we talked about uh, Zombies Ain't My Neighbors, Zombie U, and Resident Evil 4. <laughs> Patrick, it was like episode, like it was, it was an early episode of the show, October 2017. We were about a year old. We were mere babes. Yeah, we thought we had to talk about like a whole bunch of games. <laughs> Um, all right, Mark, let's get out of the news. Okay, that's going to do it for this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. Remember, please rate, review, and follow us on Apple Podcasts. If you like the episode, please share it on Facebook or Twitter, wherever you share stuff. That would help us out tremendously. If you would do that, you can follow us on Twitter and tag us while you're sharing um, the, the episode with people. I'm at Patrick underscore Ellers. Mark is at MKE Mitchell, and the show is at Nincart Society. We also have a Facebook page, which is just Nintendo Cartridge Society. Olivia Duncan made our logo. Our theme music is provided by Ape Betty. You can get more of his music by going to apebetty.com or by listening right now. For my co-host, Mark Mitchell, this is Patrick Ellers saying thank you for listening. It's Mia. Hey, it's Allie. And we host the Rom-Com Review Podcast, P.S. I Love Rom-Coms. Each week, we'll have incredible guests come and discuss a new rom-com, grand gestures, meet-cutes, and of course, that elusive chemistry. Mia, what are you doing holding that giant boombox over your head? I'm hoping to win over listeners with this grand gesture. Take us back! Find a new episode every week. And subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by Campfire Media. Wow, you're uh, still holding that boombox. Yeah, I've got great upper body strength. Thanks, CrossFit. P.S. I love rom-coms. I love rom-coms. Campfire.